I appreciate you guys coming back to visit me so soon. I haven't um, haven't really packed up from the last time. I just teleported to the back room, so uh, find a seat if you can. I listened back to the last two episodes. The first one is it is what it is, right? Basically, just wanted to dump the ideas in audio form so I could have a more direct conversation or peace and I had a chance to listen back to the, the the next two the last two so which was an attempt to do that and I get so excited when I talk <laughs> that uh, I might use the wrong word and I see why people write scripts because I want to be clear it's uh, it's definitely a good idea I probably should do that, huh? It would it would save me some time because now I'm I got to clarify some things and summarize the the purpose of both suggestions uh, is is extremely multifold, multi layered. The uh, like the player's handbook manual thing that has a lot of other uses, and I. When I said level 50, I thought it came out as a joke, but it, it didn't. It sounded pretty serious. So, in reality, probably like level 34, right? Or maybe 36, because they're going to raise the cap to 34. So maybe the next. So the, the rules, not that the, the game is mapped out and the content's mapped out. Maybe they do have it mapped out or sketched out. But that the rules that they publish in this book would be set in stone until... At least until that cap. And then the the multifold piece of the book, other than hopefully being filled with artwork, and again I, I just I leave so many things out. But when I thought of that, I I thought what a wouldn't it be fun if we as a DDO community if they allowed us to help create that. I mean, we have some really creative people. We have some really uh, strong engineering minds as well that are extremely ordered. Uh, typically, your creative types aren't as ordered, but there are cases when they are. So the idea would be that we could potentially participate if they would allow it. And artwork... Um, and in some of the pieces that need to be written. Um, it's it's easy enough thing to post um, what they want. Now, it would suck to have to read 17,000 submissions. I don't think you'll get that many. And you don't have to do it for the whole book, but I think it would be helpful because it could save some money in the production of the book. I'm sure there are artists out there in our community that are very good and would love to say, hey, I, I, I contribute. That's my work right there. So, and I don't think, I know I don't have any, wouldn't have, I, don't, I can't draw. <laughs> so I'm speaking for everybody that can. Uh, but I don't think they, I don't think uh, the people that can draw in our community, I don't think they have any uh, qualms with donating 
uh, art uh, to something like that. All right, uh, visibility. That's that. That would be part of the goal. The other part of something like that is it's a, it's familiar. It's it, it's visibility to the physicality of the product. The book would be give you visibility to audiences that you know we don't have visibility to now, and also. If done in a certain style in a certain way it will have a look and feel of familiarity to people who maybe play tabletop but haven't given uh, something like DDO a try before and those two things are good additionally having the player base help for free is also good because if you had two or three hundred contributors, they're certainly uh, going to be proud that they they were selected. You know, their drawings were selected, or whatever piece of work they submit was selected. They're going to share that around to lots of people, not just family and friends, but probably to acquaintances that they they know are interested in this same topic. And if it doesn't immediately grab players, it plants a seed and it generates conversation around DDO. And it would take place wherever that thing is mailed to, shipped to. I don't know the legalities of Kickstarter, but in my mind, I. I, I, when I came up with the idea, it was like contemporaneous that it would be kickstarted, and that uh, we could all contribute to it as players um, financially and um, help push push it forward, push the game forward, get get visibility, get conversations going, and another thing that that will do for the existing player base is it's a very tangible promise uh, of trust going going forward, right? Um, and it would give uh, your, your player base confident and confidence in, in Standing Stone games. So that was a couple of pieces that I left out about that particular book, that idea. So... All the things I said and then missaid about it <laughs> in error because of my passion, and then certainly the first part of this podcast. Uh, to move on to the uh, character trait enhancement tree and the imbudi thing, uh, the, I, I did a little bit more thinking about it, and um, when I listened to the podcast, it was very clear to me what I didn't say that about imbudi in general it's um it's a very smartly done mechanic that can be universally applied and selected and added to like a dungeons and dragons manual as a feat right like in a tabletop game you could you could have something this mechanic in there and it could be very easily and well balanced and 
I, I think in order to showcase that um, innovation, it, it should be highlighted real specifically to all players. And I, I don't think it should be, I think we should, oh, it's not that I'm losing my train of thought, I'm just not smart enough to, to say what I mean. <laughs> And what I mean is, don't st you know, turbines done a lot to keep the game going. It's done a lot to, you know, we still roll that D20, and I, I get it with the DCs. It's on, it's off. It works, it doesn't. There's no kind of in-between. Not yet, anyways. And I believe that the fact that they were initially hesitant to do any kind of other stat to hit and damage and then kind of embrace that philosophy of like hey let's just start let's just start making them and handing them out and even the trance thing it's a great idea the fear though right is is that it becomes like the completionist feats and the stat increases that you get from uh, from past lives and TRing, it, it becomes null and void because they end up factoring it in when they create new content. So in effect, you have spent all this time to feel powerful, but then you're, you're kind of right back where you started. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like a, it's a true treadmill um, with with no, no payoff. Your stats are bigger, but the, the game is harder. <laughs> and, and I think that, you know, in, in defense of the Reaper uh, mode thing, th that may have been some of the intent behind it, and that's why the Reaper trees are set up the way they are. Uh, so just, just to kind of keep challenge there, but not m make you feel like, you know, you're not getting anything or that... Um, oh... Can I stop? Can I erase the last sentence? But I, 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 I think I do think that the I think that the Reaper mode was in response to some of the concern about past lives and stat increases, and I think that's why it is the way it is, and that is why I think you know the archetypes have slowed, and we're seeing this. Um, just n another another rework on all these epic destinies. So, and I'll, I'm going to get into the what I meant about the epic destinies, but I, I want to touch on the 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 character uh, trait enhancement tree because I think it's a really good idea, and I think it, it allows a lot of freedom because the intent is not to just throw anything in there. But campaign specific progression things, progre progression systems, I guess. Uh, I'm at, I'm at a, a loss for words here. But if you understand that, what if you understand the fact that the imbue die is is a great mechanic and can be applied to you know, any type of, of system. 
and it doesn't you know, have to be a deep secret none, none of that stuff has to happen but it's a great idea and it's like uh it like looks at other video games and it and it makes it dungeons and dragons and i, I like that um i like that a lot there's no reason to reinvent the wheel and um it's it's the way it's implemented now it doesn't do it justice i guess what i'm saying it doesn't do any it doesn't do the the idea itself justice and it doesn't do uh the game justice it doesn't do the way it, it just doesn't do it's it, it's wrong you know it's wrongly implemented and that's because like my just like my podcast since it's unscripted it's i take notes but i take good notes right but if I, when i listen to the podcast i'm like just, i didn't mean that why did i say those words and sometimes i'm, I'm completely contrary from one sentence to the next but it's because I'm, I'm so passionate so lost in the moment um, I'm not seeing that and, and it happens everywhere right then as a player I don't have the responsibility or the weight and even the accountability um, either to a boss or to or to an audience um, when it comes to me throwing ideas out there so i guess risk is removed f for me and i get to talk to all kinds of people i don't know that that are playing ddo all the time other players like me some are really good some are brand new some are um, not good and, and they're confused and lost. And I do, do my best to help them. The idea behind the character trait tree is to highlight the ca like campaign specific. And when I say campaign, just think DDO. The DDO specific advancement systems that are available in Heroic, like the stat two hit damage and trance. Okay. They're not the first ones to do it, nope. But they certainly embraced it and threw it out there, right? And um, it's they're the DM. They can do that. They can make this work. the 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 point, one of the other points of the tree, that character trait tree, is to allow players to have a cohesiveness in the character that they're trying to express. And that's a big deal, what I just said. That's, that's really missing. And all the crap I said, and even went on for like another 25 minutes, I think. I just didn't, I was trying to hang it up, and I couldn't, couldn't let it go. And that was really at the heart of it, was, was when I mentioned the imbue builds and all these other things, what I neglected to tell you was when we multi-class for like max imbue and all this stuff. Sometimes that's fun, but also foolish. Because when you look at some of these builds, um, geez, what's the backstory? Well, there is none. It's uh, simply a meta build. And you always will have players like that. And you, I don't want to stop that. But that's not Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's part in part it's some of them some are doing that is but to my my players out there who are saying and 
the, all the ones that have tabletop that are are fist pumping in the air saying that no it's you know 3.5 is the meta is the meta edition right I, I hear you my my man I hear you my my fellow players I hear you it it is and it was And I had a I had a follow up to that, and I I lost it. So I probably should move on, huh? Because I'll end up. My fear is that I'll keep talking, and uh, I'll have another great idea, and then I'll be squirrel. Oh, what? No snow. Oh, sunshine, shadow. Uh, yeah, I'll just be totally distracted. I I think it's real important to. To keep the wholeness of the character and the the purpose behind the game. The purpose behind the game is to. Um, I hate. Uh, well, I hate. I don't. I want to say I hate. I. I am of the mindset. My perspective of um, tabletop uh, Dungeons and Dragons and even DDO is that. It's it's not a chance to it is a chance to role play in a sense, but that's not really what's happening. It's not role play. It's not critical role. We're not you're not an actor, and that's not really what draws you to the table. And you might might disagree again, but I would say what draws people to the table, I think, is you. Let me set the stage here. Is you know, is the introduction to the artwork, some of the lore, some of the choices, and and then the ability to step into that character and be that character, and to be something for a few hours with your friends is much different than acting or role playing. It's not. Uh, it's not really an art, you know, because you are, you're really trying to be this character, right? And I, I can refer back to the, uh, the Scottish guy, or the, he wasn't Scottish, I'm sure of it, but the guy who, uh, who was playing the dwarf barbarian, he drowned in like a level three quest, it was wicked funny, <laughs> it was a really great time. I just don't remember all the ins. We played for like two or three hours, uh, and I got a masterwork longsword. I got two of them, I remember, and masterwork changed sh shirt when I logged out. I thought it was really awesome. But he, he never broke character or anything, and I, I know that's an acting term, but he was really, really living it, you know? I mean, it wasn't, uh, he wasn't acting. He wasn't performing for me. He was... He wanted to be that person, and he was. I, I guess therein lies the difference, right? Acting you do for others. In Dungeons & Dragons, while it's a collaborative experience, we are all separate people wanting to experience life in a world full of fantasy, magic, and wonder. And we have selected a certain guise to assume when we walk into that world. And that solely on you and solely you right 
and I, when I say you, I mean that's solely all your decision making, and that's all that's all you. It's all what you like. It's all what you what you feel, and it represents you in the world. I hope that makes sense. That's the idea behind the character trait system, or the enhancement tree, is to allow people to make maximum view builds without um, without fear of uh, a nerf coming, without fear of, and that's a big fear, um, the nerf thing. Uh, as a player, you know, I, I, my longest absence, I think, from the game was six or eight years, something like that. I, I don't know, but it, it never was after after that six-year break or six-year absence. It was always uh, anywhere from, say, 18 to 24 months, and then this last leg, I was absent for eight months or so. But I, I never was at the level I was at, you know, when I officially uh, left uh, the game. Never, um, and I know the end game has changed, but as much as it's changed, it always stays the same. Um, part of the other twelve-hour tape, I started talking about world mechanics, raid mechanics, quest mechanics. But the idea behind the character trait system is not to. Um, spoil anybody's fun it's actually to enhance it by giving us freedom to create the character we want without um, without restriction okay and then it the system also um, allows for easy balance and it allows for uh, the ability to easily add and it also allows for innovation and creativity I mentioned a bleed right on one of on one of the toggles but it could be anything um, the toggle could be yeah it could just be a uh, straight damage or it could sacrifice half the die we we, we joked about having 12 die you could have a like a, a an imbue toggle that takes it down to six 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 um, six imbue die but remember the almosts? There's no almost with the DC. It's always off or on. You could certainly set up a function where it's half the imbue die and potentially there could be an effect that could be applied either by an additional option of attack um, in, in like a tier 5 or a tier 4 or even just off to the side. Even a lateral, a lateral move on the enhancement tree to allow for hey you don't um you miss the trip every time you, your your dc you know your, your your trip misses your stun misses um and you could even separate each each of the tactical feats out and you could do something different for each one but you could apply a separate effect or another uh, seemingly um cinematic or story driven effect you know like if you trip somebody where you go to trip somebody in the legs and you miss if I go to trip you with a baseball bat and I miss but I hit your kneecap well ain't going very fast when you leave me are you so you could potentially have uh, be able to apply a slow effect 
and maybe you lower their DC a couple so you, 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 can, land, you can land the trip maybe. Who knows? But that's the, what I'm saying about that particular system is it just it, it allows for so much freedom because you're not putting anything in there that's uh, class specific or like a sort of a direct upgrade uh, other than the imbue system and then how you're, how you're going to uh, hit and damage the enemy with which stat. That's all I have right now. The, the, I racked my brain about this because I, I feel like it's foolish to say, well, it costs a fee to, to get it, and then you put the um, your one enhancement point in the tree, and then, uh, well, what does the feet do? It just unlocks it. You just have to waste it. So I thought a lot about that, and uh, again, with the idea that it's not necessarily combat-oriented, although everything we've described has to do with combat, it doesn't, um, you know, it's not adding multipliers, we're not, we're not doing anything like that. That's still done in the, the class enhancement trees. You know what I'm saying? So, we mentioned the Eldritch Knight and adding 75% of their highest spell power to their like adding that damage to their imbue die, right? To you know, maybe make up or to keep them where they're at for now. So you're still kind of managing that. What you're what you're allowing the player to do is just say, "Would you like to play with imbue die?" Yes, click here, right? And then, well, how far do you want to go with it? I want to go here, and I want to go all the way. And and it doesn't mean you can't stop and again have lateral moves at each step that. A player could decide to stop at. It doesn't have to be, you know, rocket science. Oh man, look at that! It's a it's a lower level trance. No, it doesn't have to be anything um, game breaking. It just has to be useful. And when I say useful, um, don't nerf it in R10. <laughs> you know, but I think this will help with that because you immediately you have direct control over it, and you can see it, and you know what the player's intent is when he takes it. So, that was kind of the idea behind it. It was to help with balance. It was to help with the addition of new, new enhancement trees, you, whether, they're, whether they be universal, archetype, or a new class. It just helped ease that balance and that upset to the world when those kinds of things happen. the addition of of fun new things um, we're never going to get the balance perfect and that's not the intent of the tree either uh, the opening podcast is the opening the, the first episode wandering back covers that you know it doesn't have to be perfect but it has to come from a place of love and it's going to shine through you know because we love our characters, we love your game, and we love your work. But I'm not sure, as players, we have the kind of conversations I'm having now. And maybe that's because some people don't. They just want to uh, get a cool hat for their, their wizard, who is uh, a warforged that was locked in a, a closet for 
400 years and it just broke out and found out that it was in a, a mansion and the mansion was run down and then it left the mansion and found out it was in the underdark and then fell through the portal that was never on and found other warforged and there's a whole society of warforged. You know what I'm saying? Some, some people just want to do that and that's great. And I like to do that too. But I just see so much flaw in the way some of these things are implemented and it steals the fun from me. Uh, but I definitely think the Imbuda is a great idea. And, and the point of the tree is really to help with build cohesion, help with character cohesion, and help with balance. And, uh, and I'll touch a, on a, one more thing about the tree. I, 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 I said, I, I labeled it like, I li like any other enhancement tree, 5, 10, 20, and, and 30. And I briefly mentioned that you could change those values. And I really think you should. I think you should change them to, you know, 3, 5, 10, and 20. Some, something like that, or 25. Something like that. Because it sh the, 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 the value of the tree should be obvious to the player. And, again, it's, you're, you're using the enhancement points to, to kind of unlock and then through the class enhancement tree um, enhance or your class decisions enhance those those things that you've selected in that tree without having to sacrifice the build completely because you know, it's not going to work unless you take three more levels of this or two more levels of that and then you're like well I don't want to take two more levels of that well, you don't have to. You should, and you shouldn't have to when it comes to something like Imbuda. You shouldn't have to take levels of anything. It's it's literally just a game mechanic that's floating out there and attached to classes for no reason, except that. Let's be honest. You, you just didn't know what to do with it. It was a great idea and it was a great conversion thing, but it, I don't think you guys know what you have with that with that particular mechanic. It's it's brilliant, and separating it out and allowing people to apply it how they want uh, if you can figure that out I think you'd it's ingenious so it's, I'm gonna end the uh, end it there but uh, but please consider that uh, the the 510 the technical enhancement progression I use just to formulate it in my mind and to see it in my mind but I wouldn't mind, and I wouldn't object to it being, you know, one, three, you know, seven, and and thirteen. You know, I, I just wouldn't, because the point of it is to um, allow players to have creativity and help um, help with build cohesion. I think there are going to be unintended consequences with something like that. The Racial past life thing is not. I thought it was going to be out of control when I got you know 15 racial enhancement points. And this is a total sidebar, but I thought it was going to be out of control. And it's not really. I mean, when I make a new character, I'm like, why don't I have these just anyways? <laughs> you know, because it doesn't really. Uh, it does make the guy, the character, depending on how you employ it, it does definitely enhance the build. Um, and in some cases, I've talked to some people who do some R10 stuff, and yeah, in some cases, they can really stack it. They really know what they're doing. Um, but there's a, the other caveat to that is 
they have all this very high-end and sometimes really archival type gear you know like you know and some of them have gear that just it's random generated loot you just can't get so it's just interesting to see how the, the they employ it and I, again oh not again for the first time um I'll, I'll end the whole section, sidebar and everything, w w with this on the character enhancement tree. And this goes for this kind of blanket, blanket kind of statement. But don't uh, don't balance the game for the three percent. Don't don't worry about the three percent. Don't worry about the five percent that are bugging the game out to get ahead. That are. Extre just extremely good and maybe have access to things that you know other players won't but don't don't balance it around them and please don't worry about them uh, I at one point was one of those guys and um, that was many years ago now I can it's crazy because it's like a lifetime ago that I was any good at the game but totally mediocre at best now and I'm older, so not only am I mediocre, but I'm so slow uh, reaction-wise that so I'm like just below mediocre. I'm probably like a C-minus player now. Luckily, I, luckily, some of the rules are, are still in effect from when I was playing, so that's it. But um, I was one of those guys, and you'll never make those guys happy. And you, and you know that. Um, and, and you shouldn't pick their brains about... Uh, ideas for things because uh, I mean I, I remember I remember being in that headspace and they're just uh, they're a whole different type of player than the ones that like I am now right they're a whole different breed of player and um, I'm not it's not that they're not good for the game but it's not good to take their advice and apply it to the game because they're they're so far removed from, I would say, the public, right? The public of DDO, because they, you know, they have a very small community and it's hard to penetrate. And when they do come out of this community, you know, it's a, you know, there are flash in the pan and a quest, or a flash in a pan and a raid. And there are some, I, I know some that regularly like to pug uh, public raids and um, and save them. You know, they save the raid. You know? make sure it gets completed because they can probably solo it right which is not a bad thing that's a good thing but I'm not sure I want that guy uh, giving you advice <laughs> um, guys on that end of the spectrum aren't concerned about generally concerned about story or uh, simply concerned about theory craft and the shortest the shortest point for me to be that's kind of their mindset and anything they tell you is going to, uh, that's their, that's their end motive, is to get you to do something to, uh, that they can kind of use and abuse. I would, uh, I would worry about your 80%, which I, embarrassingly, for myself, I fall into that, you know, I'm, I'm just, a, I don't have much time now. But I balance towards that. Obviously, you guys have been doing this for years. You know what you're doing. But I just sometimes, for from our players' perspective, and listening to players in game and YouTube's and Twitches and all the stuff that I've done, 
which I do constantly. Um, even when I wasn't playing the game, I was always listening to the community. Um, and having once been at that end of the spectrum, that, you know, in that tight-knit small group, I, I can tell you that, uh, you, number one, they were going to make them happy, and number two, they're, they're, they're not concerned about the health of the game. They're concerned about the health of their reputation and status amongst their friends and people they run into. It just becomes an addiction. Um, and I don't mean the game itself. I mean the notoriety. Um, I mean the the power, you know, the mystery, the fact that you're uh, an international DDO man of mystery. And they, they exist, man. I mean, you guys may laugh and make fun of me, and, and it's funny. But at the same time, man, they're, they're kind of living out there. They're kind of living out their character's fantasy. But um, they're like the drenched wardens. You know what I mean? Don't balance around them. Don't don't ask them how to balance. They're gonna they're gonna kill us all. <laughs> so that's I guess the only thing I would I would say. And it just seems like the nerfs a lot of times when they come in are are due to some of these really unique and really elite um i don't want to say elite but really um really smart use of the game systems to create something original and highly effective you know in, in maybe a couple different fields of combat whether it's whether it's tank and dps whether it's tank and crowd control whether it's dps and crowd control you, you see what i mean so that's what i mean when i say that and i i, I I uh, I have a like a build sequence that I'm using now that I I wouldn't share on the podcast. And it's not because like I'm super elite, uber overpowered, and I'm sure I'm not the only one using it. So, and it's not because I don't say this because I think um I want the notoriety. I say it because I, we're talking about nerfs and we're talking about who you should be concerned with, and. Being once a high-end player and having my character's identity stripped and his and all the hard, the stuff that all the raid stuff that I worked for that other people like other players they couldn't get nobody could get we had to work really hard to get that stuff and have it toned down or watered down That's, that hurt man. And uh, it still hurts, man. I, I can't get on that topic. But I, th- I, I think it explains my actions now. You know, I, I, I would love to share, like, like my little build path. It ain't, ain't super cool or great, but it's, it's, it is pretty effective for like a newbie like me. That's why I studied all the rules before I came back and tried to figure out some of the numbers because I used to know how to do it but I, I just I just haven't learned all the new systems so I have to learn how to uh, learn how to apply those rules in my favor and I've been pretty successful with this this kind of thing that I've come up with and uh, hey man it ain't foolproof dude it ain't it ain't a foolproof build kind of thing but you know what it does it allows me to uh, get into content that I, I probably shouldn't be in and it doesn't mean I'm cheating. It doesn't mean I'm not exploiting anything. But it's uh, it's just a series of it's a series of build choices. 
that um, allows me to punch above my weight. And uh, sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. Sometimes it's effective, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's slow going <laughs> into a quest, if I'm soloing or something. And sometimes I'm surprised at how ineffective it is in certain situations. And I, I generally don't even adjust it then. But what I want to focus on is the fact that I won't share it. I won't share it because 13 years ago, I got burned, and then I got burned again, and then I came up with one build, I remember, I came back to the game, and I was looking around, and I kind of just got lucky, um, I just happened to highlight a couple things, and I'm like, dude, I'm going to marry all this stuff together, and this thing is going to rock, and it did, it rocked, and I showed it to a, I showed it to someone, a couple of someones. And then there was a video on YouTube. And it's not, it's not one of these super powerful builds. And it was many years ago. Um, but it ended up on YouTube, same build. And it doesn't mean that the guy got it from me. But he was somebody I knew and he was on my server. <laughs> so it's possible. But it doesn't mean he did. He could have got it from one of the guys I told. Or somebody that saw it running. Because it's a cool build. Um, I'm not going to identify it because I don't want the notoriety and I don't care. But what I do care about is the fact that it was only a month or two later, two or three months later. I actually think it was like three months. And uh, it wasn't directly nerfed. It was indirectly nerfed and changed. And since then, it's been they, they've, they've attempted to fix it. But because the game is where it is now, it's like it doesn't matter. Because um, it, it had a shelf life of that particular time frame in that level range. I think the, the cap was 28. Yeah, I think the cap was 28. So it was probably, I don't know, I come and go like the wind so in DDO. So I don't, I don't know what years those were. But yeah, it was, uh, it was 20, the cap was 28. And uh, I shared it. when I remember when I shared it, uh, I was uh, asking pretty, some pretty damn direct questions about it. And... Uh, yeah, man, it got nerfed and changed, you know? And it wasn't even, like, raiding or anything. You know, I just happened to stumble upon this series of things, and it was awesome. And nobody had thought of it yet. That's all. Or nobody had seen it. And... And it got nerfed. So I'm... I, I'm against nerfing. I'm against it. I am a glutton for punishment. For sure. You, I'll tell you what. You can't get up to that upper echelon of anything in life. Of, I don't care if it is DDO. You can't get into the upper echelon of anything in life if you can't get hit hard, get knocked down, and get back up. So, I guess that's why I keep coming back. Number one, I love the game. And when I started this podcast, I guess it was... You know, an attempt to reach out to the players and just and get those ideas out there, throw those ideas out there, and stop with the stop with the nerfs. And I didn't know I was going to finally have this conversation, but I, I think it's valid. Um, now I had my stuff. 
I worked really hard for some raid loot, man. Really hard. There was raids that people weren't completing. They didn't know how. It was hard because sometimes if you didn't know the trick, then uh, couldn't do it. You know how you figure out the trick? You go in there and die a hundred times. I'm not. Uh, I'm not for glitching the game out or, or cheating or any type of that kind of stuff. But I, I am okay with if a guy comes up with a build and it's awesome and it's really effective, he should get a gold star. He shouldn't get the nerf bat. That's not on him. And don't don't take away his toy. That's fucking cruel. Take away my toy? Come on, man. I can't even do anything about it. You don't even know who I am. I'm behind a computer screen. You take away my toy? I told you I love my game. I love the game. Maybe the podcast isn't super professional or great, but it's free. I I pay to upkeep it. You know, I'm talking about DDO. I mean, come on, man! Don't take our toys away. All right. So that's character enhancement tree is is supposed to help with the build craft. And the last point is, I thought of uh, what that first um. So I, th- I don't have anything for the feet. I think the feet is probably just to unlock the tree. But then the first enhancement point, I was really thinking of new players, and I was thinking how much the game has changed. And um, nobody's running CO6 uh, for the mummified bat anymore. And um, you know, Featherfall isn't this secret mechanic to to do stuff anymore it's like totally necessary for the game and I thought wouldn't it be wonderful if um, that first enhancement point just gave you a, a feather a featherfall toggle that you could put you know in your action bar and boom you select it boink 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 starts that little border snail or border w- worm and now you have just featherfall on and you can take it off when you wish that would be a nice um, a nice way to enhance a new player's experience and it wouldn't uh, you know I guess uh, that's my phone don't be alarmed because I'm not I guess it it takes away the experience that it takes away by adding the feather fall because that's what I was concerned about is it takes away you're running with some people like this let's do a scenario let's do, let's role play so you're running a, a given quest and everybody leaps 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 and you glide down glide down glide down you leap and you drop like a rock and you die nobody can get your stone you're far away it's a pain in the ass people are trying to be friendly but you just added 15 minutes to this eight minute quest you know it it takes that away. Yep, they don't have the experience of dropping like a, a rock and feeling completely useless and foolish, um, which is part of learning. <laughs> Get Featherfall, yo. But um, really, it's just a, such a prevalent uh, a thing in the game that I, I feel like handing that out to a new player, especially nowadays, um, and at the cost of a feat and one action point, seems reasonable. You know, that way they don't have to... You know, it lessens the gear Tetris for them. You know, and that's another thing I'd I'd love to talk about, but I, I have, my mind can't even wrap around it. Um, so, with the th- that's kind of that's kind of what the purpose of the tree is.
it's to be helpful and cohesive and um, and easy to use on the top but provide a lot of depth okay so I messed up the epic destiny talk and I misspoke and I I didn't get all my my thoughts across properly because I got I, the, it, it's generally nice podcast but there's a couple times they get real like like knife handy like a drill sergeant like I just get the knife hand out and I'm just driving that point home and I just can't get off that point and before you know it uh, you know the chewing tobacco is all coming down it's all coming down you know, it looks bad you know so I, I want to just be a little bit more specific with what I meant um, in regards to the Epic Destinies, their reworks and rebalances. It is, I'm being extremely critical, and it is, it is direct, uh, fierce language, um, but let's take the majors of the Eclipse Epic Destiny that I heavily criticized. I heavily criticized it, sure, but I also, on the other end, showed you how much we as players don't look we don't look to um, examine or analyze your product SSG turbine right we just love Dungeons and Dragons so there's this veil um, that exists between player mechanic and the company that produces it and hopes to earn a living so I'm trying to lift that veil just a little bit. And when a company uh, makes a product and it fails, um, it's failed. And when a customer has purchased a product and it's poor and failed, and sits unused for years it's time to move on it's don't do it twice does that make sense don't uh, it sounded a lot better when I rehearsed it but don't you've already done it once and it failed don't do it again it doesn't mean don't try again it just means leave the mages alone you had a couple of people out there I, I, I don't remember their names but they 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 posted YouTube videos about how they made it work and they loved it and um, I don't know maybe thank them for that and uh, leave their draconic incarnation tree alone and maybe uh, t definitely tie those two damn spells to that to that um, to that to that d destiny mantle, the dragon destiny mantle, because that is kind of ridiculous. I do that on my warlock. I have a, uh, I have the auto heal from the exalted mantle, but then I'm boom, boom. I'm I'm slaying things with the, I mean, just with the ruin and greater ruin. I mean, it's awesome. I feel super powerful, but it feels wrong. I'll be quite frank. And when I first f found out I could do it, and it was like still procking the double things, and I'm like, I checked if I was in the dragon mantle. I'm in the exalted mantle, the exalted angel mantle. I'm applying the ruin. I see the ruin go off twice, and I think to myself, 
I better check what mantle I'm in. I'm supposed to be in the boom, so I check exalted mantle. It's flashing. I'm on exalted mantle. So then I look. I still have points spent for the draconic mantle, but it's definitely not on, and it's definitely the exalted uh, angel mantle that's that's active. So I I try it again, and I'm like, wow, I don't need to be in the mantle. Like, just in my brain as a player, I thought that it was such a great ability. I thought. Of course it's tied to this, but it's not. <laughs> so it should be. And um, that's not going to solve the problem of balance, but is it really unbalanced? Like, what's what's unbalanced about it? And don't come at me with, like, oh, the 3%, because I don't buy the 3%. Um, none of your players live there. 80% of them don't. So I don't buy it. So I'd be interested to know the thought process. I, I'm assuming, this is my assumption, and you know what happens when you assume, but my assumption is that the year this year is dragon-themed, and there is a draconic uh, disciple coming out. Um, and people are unsure if it's an archetype that's going to be attached to both the sorcerer and the bard and surprise people, or it's one that may be it's an architect, or it's a prestige class that happens to be a universal tree. And you can select some of the abilities without having a magical training, but some of the cooler ones will require you to have some ma magic flowing through those veins. I don't know if it's, it's a, a toss-up, but I, I definitely have... Uh, a suspicion that this is all uh, in part to deliver more content uh, later in the year. And these last three episodes that I've done have been to try to redirect the the way it's produced because that it, it sh I just don't think we should be doing that. Like, you're going to take away this toy and don't worry, I'm going to give you another shiny one in six months from now. Yeah, hopefully that guy's still around. You know? Um, you see what I mean? Don't do that. It's hard enough to learn this game. It really is. Um, this last time I came back, I've been back, I think, two or three months. Two months, probably. It's probably six weeks, but I'm old, and who knows. So let's call it eight weeks. I've been back two months. Before I came back, I did a ton of research. I watched like a bunch of Strimtom streams and videos, and I'm listening for certain things he says. Because as a player that has at one point understood the whole game very, very well and could build anything with uh, the wrong class and the wrong thing and still make all of it work because I, I knew the, what was under the hood, um, I don't anymore, but he does. And um, I'm listening for those kinds of tidbits to help me get through the game. It has a lot to do with my commitment to DDO. I think it shows that I'm committed to playing. I love it. Um, and the reason why I had I started there and started to to really try to piece together the information that I could uh, so I could be a better player is because I I have to play the game solo so much and I don't like that um, you know when I was you know kind of a and that top three three or four percent I didn't care I was doing it you know yeah it was longer but if I played by myself, but uh, it didn't matter because it was actually really freaking fast, too. Um, so, 
and I'm not looking to get to that level again, but at the same time, um, I, I needed that information to uh, have fun because I needed to extrapolate that meta information, right? Those meta, that meta understanding of the game so I could apply it to the build of my character and then try to forget the meta so I could buy into the roleplay and backstory of my character because, you know, the rules aren't clearly spelled out and some things are broken and some interactions are broken. And not, not that I use those things, but people talk about them and when they talk about things like that, they don't talk about other things that maybe are more positive and, and more useful, right? So that, that's, anyways. Um, and not that people are ever going to stop talking shit. I'm going to always probably do it. I love having the podcast. <laughs> so, so that was, uh, I just wanted to summarize those two things and clarify um, those three, those three ideas a little bit. So they, they seemed really all over the place. I think they're hopefully better understood now that they're certainly multi-layered, multifunctional. Um, when it comes to the character additions, I neglected to say something as well. When I said, uh, when I say character additions, I guess a better word for that might be portfolio. So character portfolios, right? So you would, you could potentially have uh, one epic destiny or a new epic destiny or a refreshed epic destiny packaged alongside um, an updated tree for a class, maybe another updated feet list. You know, you could do multiple things, um, each with a different level of time uh, investment and programming investment for you guys, and then how you choose to manage that time and make that product um, is obviously up to you, but I, I think it should certainly be on the regular. And when a portfolio is finished, uh, we're, we're definitely going to need a, a trailer. So that should be something that is, is considered. Somebody's going to have to cut a trailer for the the character portfolio that's coming out next month. You know, we only do three of these a year. So get somebody that likes to do it. Or just get somebody that's really good at it and doesn't want to lose their job. No, I'm just kidding. Don't be a tyrant. <laughs> don't do that. That's, don't be a Vecna. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> no, we, I, I don't know that we've done that for the archetypes. I, I, I know there's the Vecna Unleashed stuff and I know Tom did stuff, and Voodoo did stuff, and um, almost every, uh, Nimvin did stuff, I know all these creators did stuff um, to promote it, I did stuff to promote it, I loved it, but uh, I don't think, you Turbine, Severlin, I don't think you guys did, you know, and we're riffing off you, man, you know, we're riffing off you, um, I'll give them the best I got, you know, you don't have to give me the stamp of approval. I'll keep going forward, and it will still be free. But um, but you got to give us a little bit a uh, little bit to go on. And it's it's almost unprofessional to release something like that 
and then neglect to market it. You know, and I get maybe your target audience was me. It was just me and everybody else that's like me that just plays DDO. That was your target audience. We're not wasting the time. Everybody can go home early on Friday. You know, we don't need the YouTube video. So, we, I want new players. I want the game to last. I want uh, I want Sevlin to be interested in technology that um, can upgrade the graphic system of uh, DDO, not to uh, uh, you know Black Desert Online levels, but something like what World of Warcraft has done. You know, a clean, a clean, a clean coat of paint. And please don't tell me that we did that already. Please don't say that, because if I'm telling you this as a longtime player, you haven't. The game does look better. It has been cleaned up. And I just got uh, the 62-bit or 64-bit thing working. It looks great. But um, you know, applying something like that again, uh, a significant upgrade in the next five years is important. So uh, beyond the, the couple of things I've suggested as far as build craft, theory craft, to keep to keep your current players happy and then to allow us <laughs> to um, teach uh, other players and show them the ropes. It makes it a whole hell of a lot easier. It's going to make it a hell of a lot easier. And you, I get it. The, the, the reason why I started with the character trait enhancement one this time was instead of the Epic Destiny one is because the Epic Destiny one is simple. That's an easy fix. You can do that in next rotation. You can implement that. Okay, guys, we were going to do uh, a refresh of this tree instead. We're going we're gonna to take a, a new, new angle, new take, see what we can come up with. And take a whole new, not a refresh, but a, a, a better swing in the same area of the, of, the, of the outfield. You know, or maybe just a swing for the outfield in a different direction but something that echoes the theme of the failed epic destiny. Um, it's going to help you. This, this particular idea with the epic destiny will help you years down the road because by leaving stuff alone, you validate content on YouTube, in people's blogs, in the compendium, in the wiki, in the Reddit forums, you validate that stuff. And years from now, when it becomes proven that this information about DDO can be trusted and, oh, it's pretty easy to find this, pretty easy to understand this. When that, when that happens, um, the, the player base will increase naturally because the game is so complex, it certainly turns people off. It turns me off sometimes. That's why when I die or something in my build now, I've spent so much time and numbers and money running to try to figure out how to just get them to run just good enough so I can have fun, like play the content I want to play, but still be able to kind of live out the fantasy, like role play it. And... Uh, not that I role-play it, but you understand my meaning. Headcanon, yo. And, um... I, I, I get discouraged, man. I have been discouraged. 
you know, and, but I don't any, I don't get discouraged anymore. I just take it on the chin. Um, or in the eye. Or in the ribs. Or wherever the Baylor decides to whack me with whatever he does, it just absolutely sends me into the Shadowfell. Or whatever the Plain of Don. I don't know what plane it is. So. Can't think of lore right now. I'm not in that headspace. I'm in the, uh, I'm in the other end of the spectrum. I'm, I'm underneath the car working. I'm not thinking about the, you know, the feel of the, of the steering wheel as the tires, you know, slope into the turn. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about, geez, the spark plug's really frickin' dirty. We should have changed it years ago. <laughs> yeah, that, so that's uh, the, the point of those kinds of things. The point of this conversation is just, and these guys, like, it's kind of silly for me as a player to even even really talk like this, right, or, or, or to have a podcast that um, is, is critical in a fun way because I love these guys, you know, like several, and like I, I, I'm, I'm kind of poking fun at the guy, right, like like his, his employees ain't going to talk to him like I'm going to talk to him, you know. Well, I'm a customer. I, I'm a customer. I can get away with it, right? Yeah, to a degree, but that man has weathered a lot to get where he is. Do you think he, think he likes it? Maybe it doesn't bother him. I don't know. But I know he cares about DDO, and it, and it bothers him to hear probably some of the things that are said. And I don't mean to offend or to call down. I, I, I really respect the man. I respect um, everybody over at SSG for the work they do and they have done. I really do. But I, I, I want to see... Um, one of the things to takeaways when I listened back to the podcast previously, and I couldn't stand to listen to all of them, but I listened to some of the, um, some of them, and a lot of my my beginning podcast was all about um, player suggestions. the The point of these particular suggestions is not, um, you know, I was pulling them off the the forums because they were you know, player suggested. I thought they were creative, they were fun, and they were new, and certainly. You know, it was fun to see the archetypes come out, and fun to see what ones were coming out, and how much fun they were to play. I, I um, I really love the uh, acolyte of the skin, and I ha- I have one. I have a, a, a total like tw- twenty warlock that's acolyte of the skin, and I use the uh, draconic incarnation. I use the breath, but I I use the the main thing for me. I guess I use ruin and all that stuff. I have to use it because um, some of the content I, I play, I gotta gotta contribute. But what I love to use, right, is the um, the, the the double length wellspring with my uh, my uh, fiendish transformation. Because you guys totally screwed that up. <laughs> it's trust me, I love it. I mean, I love the thing. I play the crap out. I love it. But man, you messed it up, man. You could have made. You could have really. That could have been a lot more fun for me, anyways. Um, And I'm not the only one. I think every player that's ever played it was like, geez, why can't I always have this? It's silly. Um, you know, the, the funny thing is, even if you were just uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in, in the transformation the whole time, uh, there's no way, I don't think, because I've done a lot of testing on it my, just myself, um, and by testing I mean I've spent probably thousands of shards and, and again, not necessarily lesser hearts per se, 
but maybe just a regular lesser heart to, to mess with the stats a little bit to see if I could get the defenses in the right place um, to really get into some heavier melee situations. And, um, you know, once you start up in the R level, I find uh, when you're using the form to attack and it's, you're heavily invested in that damage, uh, you're producing that damage from that transformation, you, um, you know, you're dancing around. You might look like a something from another world, something from the from shadow and flame, but you uh, you better watch watch how hard you get hit. So, but I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to criticize you guys or say anything bad. But I love it. I love the damn thing. I I have. So this is you know when I came back, I didn't have that guy. But I, I just gave up on my old men, some of my old mentalities. And um, it kind of opened up this door to look at the game in a different way. And um, And I think I see you know a lot of the a lot of th a lot of things that I'm sure you guys already know because you've worked on the game and built it, so you, so you know what's there. But um, maybe you don't either because you're you know, so close to the project and you're always off to the next one. And you, like I said, you guys have all the pressure. You know, the Standing Stone games there's tons of pressure on them. Um, I'm sure they laugh and have good days, but when DDO store revenue is down or something comes out that doesn't sell well or you know, I don't know the relationship with Daybreak Games and how that works, but you know they are—they uh, have a boss too. Severlin has a boss too, so there's, you know, and, and and he loves the team that he works with, and he's responsible that they keep their jobs. So they have a lot of pressure, and sometimes when that kind of pressure is created, um, number one, some of my suggestions might seem like huge risks, but maybe to some or most of the player base would be like, oh man, I wish that's not a risk. I wish we could do that, you know, I wish we could have that. And I I don't think that I want to be a game developer or anything. Okay? I don't let me have this delusion. I just have played a shit ton of DDO. So I have a lot of experience playing that and I, I know what I like and I know what other players talk about that they like. So I'm not like every other player. I don't like, some players like different things. Um, and I, I do try to these suggestions are, are exactly that. They're, they're fundamental mechanic changes to help facilitate everybody's fun. So, um, that being said, we definitely are going to need um, some YouTube trailers for whatever archetypes that are coming out. And it's, uh, we appreciate the forum post and uh, the link over to Xfire but uh, and we love seeing Cordovan on Fridays I always uh, I, n I never catch it in person anymore because my job changed I'm not working in Boston anymore last last year at this time I was in Boston I'm not there anymore so but I still watch the stream app when I get time and you know if I'm playing it in the car or get it on the headphones while I'm while I'm doing some work around the house I'm always I'm always in tune with with what you guys put out as far as the real official Dungeons and Dragons online team. My my concern is that 
you're not that, that standing stone games doesn't see the signs um, and and it's time if they feel like some of these suggestions are risks well it's time to take a risk let me let me read the signs for you a little bit I watch all of your twitch streamers all of them and I don't interact with all of them most of them I do but not all of them and I don't when I interact with them it's generally uh, in to gather information about uh, their opinion their builds and um, how they see the game it's important to me because if I'm gonna come up with a a suggestion or something I I need to have all those thoughts in my head uh, rolling around um, you know before I cook the soup you know because once I start thinking my head gets hot steam coat part no, I just kid so it's time to take a risk you're not you're not reading the signs for sure Um, I love, uh, you used to have intermittent streamers that are just gone. Um, the DDO cast, uh, YouTube channel, and Twitch has been inactive since uh, September. I think the YouTube channel may be a little longer, I don't know. But certainly the Twitch I remember is September 23rd. So, something that ran for 701 episodes started by the the great mock duck um, end of an era right but uh, as adventurers as heroes as stalwart men and women cats shifters robots warforge of principle we we always get up you know we always carry an extra cake you know? and as long as it's a raid we'll use it <laughs> we need that loot. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on Nimvin a little bit because I love Nimvin, uh, and I love uh, when he he's a, I love when he talks about his life and when he talks about uh, his family. He's just a real genuine guy, real passionate fella, and um, I identify a lot with uh, with kind of where he is because I remember being there myself and. Um, He's a guy that follows his heart, and it's a it's a good good pulse for you, right? As a as a game developer to to watch a guy like that, and not necessarily a guy like Voodoo, who I admire and is like a role model to me. But Nimvin is the heart; he's the pulse, and he's he's pulled away from DDO. Uh, he still plays and. You know, gets online. He's excited. He loves the game for sure. But um, I've noticed in his streams, they uh, if you weigh the hours he spends streaming another game, regardless of what time of day he's streaming, but just the hours he puts into another game as opposed to DDO, I think you would be uh, sad to find that uh, DDO is, is is almost like the second one. It just feels like the main one because. You know, he, he doesn't, he hasn't really interrupted that schedule, but he has lengthened his stream time, but not for DDO. And, yeah, people get bored, people change, you know, they like different stuff, they want to try different stuff. What's the big deal? It's not a big deal. 
Well, that's not the only the only thing. This, while I've noticed um, Voodoo's numbers are when you watch his numbers and you like, and I don't keep track of what his Twitch numbers are, but I I kind of do, right? Uh, in my head, I make note of it. It's just a habit from what I do for work. So when I see his numbers fluctuate a lot, they never used to. Like eight, eight months ago when I was, or say a year ago, 18 months ago when I was heavily in the game, just, just before I started the podcast, playing a lot and watching his stream, his numbers were very, very consistent. And now they're less consistent. And he gets, sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's a little it's fluctuating a lot and it could be just a, a thing you know it could be nothing but taken alongside of his his robin right uh, his cohort his compadre his amigo nimbind i think you have uh that's not a coincidence now you have evidence that um a couple of your most dedicated guys are experiencing um something right because we don't know what it is but they're experiencing something and um you shouldn't jump to conclusions for sure but i i think maybe uh i can tell you i didn't mean for this explanation one to go that long this was supposed to be 20 minutes in a cleanup but another podcast i wanted to have another episode another conversation another Another monologue was I, I mentioned about studying the game because I had to play solo. Um, well, I'm not the only one, and a lot of players are talking about why the hell am I playing solo? And then people on other servers are saying, "Yeah, it's populated," but um, and I have transferred a character off to to find out if this is true. Okay, um, my my findings are are not ready to be reported on because I've been very busy and now I'm doing this podcasting so I haven't played a lot so what I'll tell you about the solo player experience is that um, a lot of us are experiencing it and we don't want to and uh, we're sticking it out because we love the game and we're we're sure that it's going to turn around it always does uh, but I think you guys are going to you're going to have to you have to take another risk like when you went free to play like when you ink the deal with Warner Brothers and you know you're going to have to take a risk I think and um, I think you should bet on on yourselves and on us the imbue system is great I would leave Reaper alone the imbue system is great but it is it's uh, right now it's, uh, it's a muddy mess it's a great mechanic. It can, while my podcast is ranty and probably hard to listen to, there are some really good ideas that I, you know, kind of gloss over. But take them, <laughs> you know, um, it, it'll work. It'll work. You know, I, I I know the game well enough that it'll work. Um, but it, a project like that, ripping the imbue dice out. Um, it's going to leave a lot of holes and those holes are going to be a lot of work but it's an opportunity to do
do what you want to do with these epic destiny trees right refresh them right so we're more happy or you can you can rebalance and and send out more content later that's overpowered and make money <laughs> not that you guys do that but um but it's an opportunity to do what you think you want to do this epic destiny thing but you really need to focus on on the ground floor first of character building I think and then then we can focus on how the epic destinies are, are used and I've got some ideas for that I've got some really cool TR ideas um, for epic destinies and stuff like that so um, and I could you know I have not made any notes on those I just have them floating in my head I'll say heroic strike right like I've, I've just got, I've had some ideas and I think they're pretty cool and I think uh, there might be a way to introduce some low-hanging TR fruit for new players to keep them going strong, you know, because they are not having the same experience we're having, um, all of us, at, at different levels. Like, I've talked to many different players who have joined 2006, 2009, 2011. I, I talk to them. And I want to get their perspective. Oh yeah, well I remember when uh, I remember when the cap was only twenty four. You know, I'm like, holy shit, really? <laughs> but you know, they, and they have really no experiential knowledge of, of the game up to that point. Twenty four, holy shit! I think I was gone from the game already by then. I lived a lifetime in DDO by then, two lifetimes, and um, and DDO has impacted my real life. Uh, so I'm passionate about it. And um, I'm, I'm paying very close attention. And I hope, hope you guys are too. I'm excited um, for what you guys have in store. But I, I, I don't know. I guess I just, you know, the, there is a lot of concern in the community. We're, we're soloing a lot. Um, and it's not just me. It's a lot of people. And we don't want to. And... You can't please everyone. You can't fix all the bugs. And you can't predict when a new one will be created and how damaging that bug will be. You can't. You can control your response time. You can control um, your transparency. And you can control what you're doing to move the state into a more permanent state of growth ad infinitum. And that's what I think all of us want to see. Even you guys want to see that. We all agree that we want the game to be around forever, right? Like Severlin wants to retire and somebody takes over and 30 years from now it's still going and he's you know, practically on his deathbed and the game's still going strong and it's got, you know, or five different graphical upgrades well probably ten by then but I think uh, I, I don't know what you guys have on the docket I don't know what you guys talk about in the office I just know what I see and from the player base I know what I see when it comes to build craft and you know I, I appreciate the forum posts and some of the reddit posts that talk about uh, I I want to be able to test my build like build it to 20 test it build it to 32 test it and part of that is a lack of understanding of game mechanics on the player's part. And then the game itself um, not operating always the way it says it should. 
and there are other factors that escape me, but they're pretty simple and we all know them that affect those things, whether it's um, a mislabeled tooltip, a broken enhancement, um, or because, uh, let's take this for example, when Accolade of the Skin came out, because I love it, um, I watched uh, Strim Tom's video like a hundred times, um, I bugged Voodoo about it a bunch, uh, on his channel, I just such a great time. I just loved that thing. Even though you guys could have done a better job, <laughs> uh, it was such a cool thing to be added to the game. Uh, and he had this idea, and I was thinking the same thing because I'd been looking at the warlock. Once I heard the accolade of the skin was coming up, I've been looking at the warlock trees, and I'd never played a warlock before. But um, I didn't know the exalted angel had the. I think it's. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's a real fancy shadows of something. And, uh, you know, we're talking about debuffing will saves and the shaken status, the fear status, and how drink your fear interacts with shaken and lesser forms of, uh, of, of that necromancy spell, fear. And, you know, he, his idea was, and it was a great idea, to take uh, a certain core and have them be shaken, have the enemies be shaken, and then, bam, start blowing them up with the double damage, uh, drink their fear enhancement. Um, but it didn't work, because even though it, it said it was a fear-type ability in the tooltip, uh, I mean, it really totally explicitly says that. It wasn't like he was making it up or trying to make a jump. I hope this works. It, it totally seems like it would. I mean, it's even in another warlock tree, right? Um, but it didn't work at all. And, uh, you know, he was disappointed. I, I wasn't too disappointed because um, I guess I can share this. The scare spell works really well. And, um, you know, and, and a pinch fear does too. And uh, I always pug. And nobody's ever complained because uh, those monsters die fairly quickly. And uh, the buff generally wears off. I will tell you that uh, it is frustrating when I fear or scare a mob and um, they're supposed to be slowed and instead their speed goes to 200%, which, which happens. It's like two or three. It's hilarious. It looks like what's well, like the Benny Hill show or whatever. It's like, this hobgoblin takes off at like, you know, mighty most speeds. It's, it's crazy, you know. Um, it's roadrunner speed. So uh, that's not working as intended. That's not applying right all the time. Um, I'm not filing a bug report on it right now. Don't 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 take this as verbal notification of a bug report, please. But uh, yeah, man, that it doesn't bother me. Like I know the games. I I played the game long enough. I know it's, sometimes the code messes up like that, and I'm not so heavily invested in um, the operation of the build or the success of the build uh, working its combos like that. I just I just don't care. Um, it works well enough. Uh, my expectations are lowered. Uh, I've been here a long time. So sometimes game's big, lots of code, and I get it. My, you can't, I'm sure you guys might even be aware of it. Maybe you're not, but uh, yeah, that, that happens. Sometimes you fear a scare a mob, and they, instead of being slowed, their uh, speed is heavily increased. And it's comical. It's comical to, to watch. Um, those are the only ones that get away, and I think nobody ever ever commented on it, but it is pretty <laughs> funny to watch them try to chase it down because nobody can run that fast. 
Uh, no, not even with tumble you couldn't run that fast. These things move, um, but generally wears off. Uh, the fear does, and then they come back. So, you know, and that's just an example of something I've run into. And and you know, is the double damage dice applying when that happens? I'm seeing purple numbers. Doesn't feel like double damage. You know. Definitely doesn't feel like double damage. Feels like uh, a percentage increase. I don't know what percentage increase. Maybe fifty-five um, percent you know, or almost sixty percent. But it definitely doesn't feel like double damage. You know, I feel like a double damage. I should be pulling shit up. And then, you know, when it comes to uh, when it comes to using the um, the fiendish form and and having a, a double damage, it just doesn't feel like it's happening. I don't know, man. I could be totally wrong because math is hard and numbers are scary. Um, but it definitely doesn't seem uh, seem like it's 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 operating like it says, and um, that's okay. But again, you don't have to address that now, uh, and you don't need to even find it out now. You might make a note of it now. Great. I think um, once you pull out uh, a separate trait tree. And start looking at the enhancement tree system as a whole again. Um, you can start chipping away at that stuff, and uh, it's going to take a lot of work, but it, it, extremely valuable, I think, for the game going forward. And um, just the one change in itself of getting that trait tree out, I think, would uh, really rejuvenate the community because that type that imbue system and the two hit to damage and stuff that's something really specific to you guys i play all the dungeons and dragons games and yeah sometimes they they use the obviously they have the same feat selection and the same classes and intelligence to hit add intelligence to, you know to damage there's a, a lot some of that right but it's all heavily gated by um by class and hours and hours and hours of play um and you guys have not treated that particular um, option as, uh, as to be heavily gated. And I, I like that a lot. And I see how well you guys have balanced it against that. So I think you should take advantage of that and really showcase it. Hey, look, look what we did. Um, and unfortunately, I have to kind of eat my own words, but it, it would have to do you know, with the PRR and MR system that you guys have introduced, right? Because that's how you're able to kind of get away with some of this stuff and control um, control the game game progression and whatnot. In closing, for the thirteenth time, yeah, I think uh, I think. While you're investigating the something like a trait tree, starting to formulate an idea about what a portfolio would look like, how much it would cost uh, as far as DDO points, and then what the bundle would look like. Um, I know you guys are in the video game business, but I, I think... Um, Players want a predictability when it comes to something like a like a portfolio, a character portfolio, Mordenkainen. You know what I'm saying? You see what I mean? 
Volo's portfolio, right? Like Volo's guide to whatever. Like, so you're, you're something like this, right? You don't have to. You could use um, the um, original, some of the original characters that you've created for DDO, but just fashion them in the style of, of Dungeons and Dragons and make the portfolio um, that way. I don't, because I don't know what the, what the going rate is to use Volo's name or Elminster's name or Drizzt's name or anybody's name uh, from a Dungeons and Dragons in in a in an advertisement piece. I don't know how you guys get that, um, or if it'd be a pain in the ass, or if they'd charge you money, or if they'd want to control what goes in that said bundle. So. Clearly, you can uh, use racial names, like the Drow bundle, the Warforge bundle, right? So clearly, you can use um, generic labels, and I would, um, I would definitely go with something like that, and I would maybe go with uh, either animal theme or a combat theme, and it, does, it could be spell combat, it could be gish combat, it could be anything. Um, I would just theme it and release it and make sure you cut a freaking trailer and um don't uh cut a trailer cut a good one man you know you know i got i got a, I got a big family man I, I try to get all my nephews and nieces and my uncles and my cousins and try to get everybody to play this game but when they look at the graphics you know i know uh, they don't bother me at all um, only if I come like from Baldur's Gate 3 if I'm playing Baldur's Gate 3 and I go to um, Dungeons and Dragons online I'm like whoa <laughs> takes me a second but um, they, they don't bother me because the you guys have created such such a good good system it's convoluted it's bloated and way too complex but you can fix that um, and we have ideas for that as players so I'm sure you do as developers um but a lot of us long-time guys, man, we have ownership of this game, man. We, we love it. And uh, I know they're not all good ideas, and I know they can't work. All will work. So, um, but we know the game pretty well, and um, a, lo a lot of players want to see this thing succeed just as much as you do. And um, I don't know how many SSG people get their paycheck and um, give back five or six hundred bucks or eight hundred bucks because they want to keep the lights on at work. I don't know how many of them do that, but your player base is doing that. Yep, we're getting a product for sure. But um, just so you guys can understand uh, a little bit more of what we're doing as far as supporting the game, you know. Because it is a great game. It is a great game. And that, it just, there was one YouTube video that talks about how, and I forget which one it was, but it talks about how there's like so much potential, but it just can't, like DDO just can't seem to, to get it. Like you're almost there, but you can't seem to just reach your hand up and grab the top of the cliff and pull yourself up and stand on the mountain. And um, yeah, I would say that that's, that's part of, part of what I'm seeing is that, um, is is that the system needs to be 
not dumb down. I'm not saying dumb it down, um, and I'm not saying uh, weaken it. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying adjust. Make it better. Um, and from a role play standpoint, from a mechanic standpoint, and from a, a, a build craft standpoint, I think that character trait thing would be very valuable. Um, and as you're releasing these portfolios, I probably would only maybe maybe you should stick with a, selling a refreshed version. Uh, a reworked version of your epic destinies instead of a whole new tree like I previously suggested only because if you were to implement a, a trim the fat uh, type of philosophy uh, with the enhancement trees for the heroic levels um, that bleeds into the epic destinies and I think you guys are going to start having some really cool ideas that we as players can't have because we don't know the tools that you have available so we only know what we see and um what we what you guys let us see like what you guys let us play with so we don't know what and i know i'm sure there are more things that are possible and then more things could be possible if um if a, if a heavy look was taken at the and a concerted effort to polish the um the leveling system for us older veterans and new players. Uh. And don't forget, it sucks playing alone. Sucks playing alone. Yeah. But it's still a great game, man. I can't wait to get back into it. So, uh, thanks for uh, hanging out with me again. I can't believe... Uh, I mean, I had 12 hours before, and I mean, I went off the chain because I still the the, the other the other podcast kind of episode I want to do is uh, one about the skills, and I, I did one I think before, but I want to hit it again because I, I saw some LFMs and I saw some things in the game that I that were really cool. And, um, again, that enhancement system, <clears throat> when you look at the skills again, when, I, when, I, when we take another look at the skills, I'm going to just take a look at the skills and tell you what I think, and then I'll let you guys try to marry those two, those two ideas together about enhancement trees, what belongs in them, what's glass identity, and um, I'll, I'll give you a for instance because it's like a little preview. Um, say a barbarian a barbarian can be really they, they have really intimidating right so we have um, an enhancement in uh, their tree that gives them plus one two three to intimidate um, it reminds me of those skill feats which we'll touch on in that episode too that are completely useless and um, uh I'm not even going to say kudos for trying to incorporate them into the Epic Destinies. I think you're on the right track, but I think you're way off the mark as far as the application and implementation of some something like that. Taking bogus feats, and so you can get a, a, 
a minor benefit out of a, a third rank or a core in a in an epic destiny is it's kind of bullshit and that's what we need to cut out i get that you guys are trying uh, i understand that um and i hope that that's not the extent of what you what you guys got left for steam i hope you guys want to go the distance with this game and you're interested in in doing that um because uh, we all want to see it super succeed. All of us do. All, I think it's 17,000. I'm going to say it's 17,000. I saw 14,000, but I think it's 17,000 players. Which is a lot of freaking people, man. That's a lot of people. But it could be... You could easily triple that number. Well, not maybe triple. You could easily get to 50 or 60,000 players pretty consistently, I think, in DDO if you make some changes. Um... Because the game is made with so much love, and there is so much um, fun to be had um, with the system, I think um, I think you can you can squeak by with with probably about sixty thousand players. I bet. Where did I get that figure? I um, I pulled it out of my ass. But I, I I just think that there's an ass for every seat, and and we get a lot of empty seats, so let's fill them. You know, I don't know what the max capacity is for each server, but DDO is a strong enough game. The bones of DDO are strong enough to fill every 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 server, one hundred percent. We'd have to work together, you know, <clears throat> the player base and the developers, and that's hard on both ends. And uh, when I re-listened to my podcast and I, I saw the passion overtake me a couple times and I saw my tone change and um, my attitude change and I went from being you know really bright and shiny and optimistic to you know feeling betrayed being angry being frustrated and um, that's probably the typical life of the DDO player is that that's what they experience and that sucks but I can imagine as a developer you guys are looking at us and similarly thinking, oh, you guys know that's broken and you're exploiting that and you know that doesn't work right and, you know, we're, we're just trying to let you guys use that because we, you know, we don't want to take it away and, you know, you're trying to bug out raid guys and get free raid loot. Oh, man, make me look bad. You know, people are finding out that, you know, you can beat it with a, you can beat it with a rabbit hat on and, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I don't know what you guys complain about us, but I'm sure you do. Um, you have to <laughs> it's human nature because um, we complain about you guys um, but I think it's time we, we uh, start being transparent about it and it doesn't mean we have to be spiteful or and you guys are well developed human beings you don't, you don't need me to set the ground rules but um, for everybody else that's listening uh, just so I'm clear and not because you can't understand but just so I'm clear um, it's time we take that honesty um, <clears throat> and apply it in conversation respectfully and um, try to figure out what you know um, what we can do to help whether that's uh, adding um, f free drawings to the book or making really long podcasts 
Alright guys, uh, my teleport spell, I'm really, this time I'm going to go somewhere, not just to the back room, because uh, you guys didn't leave the last time. 